Thank you for tuning in to After Dark with Robin Andrew. Available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, or head on over to theamericaoutloud.com to the Listening Live tab, where you can listen to 24 hour of talk radio, including our show, After Dark with Robin Andrew. Tonight is a special show. I have as my guest, Heather Robinson of the New York Post. She's going to be my guest host. Unfortunately, our dear friend Andrew had other obligations, so he couldn't join us tonight. So maybe he's out there trying to straighten out his governor, Pritzker, and let him know that he's running Illinois into the ground. Or better yet, maybe he decided to travel to Chicago because Andrew is from the Chicago area. I think it's Piara, Illinois. And maybe he's going to go and confront Lori Lightfoot about all the criminal activity that's taking place there. That being said, tonight's show, I want to title it Enough. Enough is enough. We have tried it the Democrats' way. It's not working. We sat this the other night with B.B. Diamond. We've got to do something different. No matter where you look in America, you see crime. The crime has it's just like bursting at the seams. And every night we come on and we talk about the crime. We've had different guests to come on. And they've talked about the crime. My co-host tonight, Heather Robinson, she's been on here. She's even spoken about the crime. Enough is enough. I can't believe that people don't see what we see. Either they see it and they don't want to see it. Because how is it that they could go in in November and even cast a vote for a Democrat? I mean, the polls that we see that the media is talking about, they're saying, oh, well, the Democrats, they're ahead and they're going to keep the House and the Senate. Even Nancy Pelosi came out the other day on one of the late not shows and she said that, oh, well, I think the Democrats will keep the House. Who would want Democrats to keep the House with all the crime that we're encountering? And when I say, why would we want them to keep the House? Because it's because of their policies or lack of policies that we have all this criminal activity. No cash bail. Whoever thought of no cash bail, what is the purpose behind it? I'll tell you. We're told that it's supposed to help the people that don't have money because so many of them are in jail. Well, who are they? Black people. And I, I hate saying this. Look at the people that are committing the crimes. Unfortunately, sad to say, Black men, they're committing the crime. And not all of these men have mental problems. We just got to be honest. We've got to speak truth to power. They don't all have mental problems. They're not suffering from a mental issue. Some of them are from broken households. The fathers aren't there. The mothers doing their best, so so they say, to raise these young men. When we all know that it takes a man to be in the house to help raise these boys. But they don't have that father figure. Now, you would think that Barack Obama would have been that father figure when he served as president for all of like, uh, how many terms? Two terms? But where is Barack Obama? Martha's Vineyard, making certain that Martha's Vineyard, which is in a sanctuary state, does not allow illegals to come there. Because if they do, he wants them shipped out. What else is Barack Obama doing? He's basically talking about MAGA extremists and that Donald Trump, he's bad for the country. Okay, he's not the president. I know that the person in the White House, we all consider him as being the resident, but why aren't we focusing on him? and what he's not doing, and his bad policies. Think about this. There have been so many books being written about President Trump. How many books have they written about Joe Biden? 
There's only one that's coming out right now, I think, by an author, Joe Concha. Maggie Hagerman, Haberman and all these other people, they're writing about Trump. Because they know I can probably make money off him. But no one is talking about the violence. No one is talking about the economy. They're busy focusing on Trump. Why? It is so frustrating as to what's happening. But like I said, we have on tonight Heather Robinson. Heather recently did an article for the New York Post. I'm going to let her talk about it. Because it has to do with what we're talking about now. Although her story, what happened, and the story happened some years ago, but it is so relevant because of what we see is happening in our great city of New York and so many other cities. Heather, thank you for coming on. Thank you for guest hosting with me. We said Mm -hmm. before that we were going to have you on because you're always on here and you're so willing to share your stories and we do appreciate your time. So before we start talking about your story, how are you tonight? I'm great, Rob. Thank you. It's I'm doing fine. I want to get to know you also. How long have you been writing? Oh, I since I was in college, um, okay. I was a journalist, a student journalist for the Daily at the University of Washington, which was one of the only uh, college papers that came out every day at that time. I'm uh-huh. not sure if it still is, but it was a right. good college paper. And yes, I, I got uh, the bug back then, you know, and actually mm-hmm. one of my earliest stories was interviewing the homeless in Seattle. Um, I interviewed about a dozen homeless people. And from that, you know, I I learned a little bit even back then about mental illness and substance abuse, because a lot of the people on the streets were, um, you know, uh, addicted. Um, You know, I, 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 some of them were good people. I spoke to veterans. um, Uh And so that, that continues to inform my perspective on the issues we were touching on last time, you know, about homelessness and mental illness I think one of the, you know, most misunderstood things about the the desire to treat the severely mentally ill and substance addicted is this idea that we're somehow disrespecting these people to mandate treatment of some kind. But I, I think that that's very wrong. I think that when you don't, you know, severe mental illness listen, you know, it's a nightmare. It may be, there is no easy fix, but you need to try to treat it. I mean, it's not doing those people any favors to not, not, um, not require them to be medicated, uh, you know, because it's like having a, a physical illness that's severe. I mean, you, you need medical treatment, you know? So the piece I wrote for the New York post, uh, this past Sunday, was about uh, Kendra's law, which was passed um, about 25 years ago after the murder of uh, a journalist named Kendra Webdale, who was pushed in front of a subway train by a severely mentally ill man. And at that time, uh, her family, you know, there there were a series of trials and this man was eventually convicted of, of, uh, he pled down to manslaughter from murder too. And he was convicted of to 23 years in prison. He was recently released. No one knows where he is. Um, and you know, it, it was an example of, of somebody who had been repeatedly institutionalized and re-released many times after being violent repeatedly, many, many times throughout his life. And you know, why this person was not, you know, permanently institutionalized, I've not heard any good, you know, explanation for. Um, And so, um, so the it was an interview with her brother, who's still uh, alive and well and in the world and bless him, you know, I think he it was difficult for him to talk with me, he told me, but he felt 
um, a he felt compelled to do so. He happens to be a fellow political conservative. Um, he's very, very troubled by this rash of, of crimes in New York, um, including subway crime. We've seen several attacks recently on women by mentally ill men that just bring him back to the nightmare of what happened to his sister. And he told me that's why he decided to talk to me. It wasn't fun for him, but he felt that to honor her memory and to do what he could to raise awareness about this law, which he believes is underutilized, Kendra's law, which is um, it allows courts to mandate um, medication for the severely mentally ill. And I mean, I can get into the technicalities of it. It's, it, you know, most uh, analysts feel it's a good law in the sense that it's, if anything, it might be a little soft in terms of, you know, all that it requires, all that it really mandates is if somebody is, um, if they if they commit some uh, violence toward themselves or others, a, a judge can mandate them to receive uh, assisted outpatient treatment, which includes, um, you know, a, a hold of 72 hours in a psychiatric facility evaluation by a psychiatrist or a team of psychiatrists who can then recommend uh, medication of some kind and treatment. And if the individual doesn't follow through on that treatment, they can be re-hospitalized for 72 hours. So that's, that's the extent of the law. It's not even permanently locking somebody up. Mm -hmm. And even that level of um, you know, oversight uh, is not really being used mu as much in New York. Uh, in right. recent years. And so he was saying, you know, the law needs to be used more. And I spoke with a congressman, a New York state congressman, Borello, who's working to try to strengthen the law, to try to make it so that, you know, people who are violent can be held for longer than 72 hours. And also people who can't take care, can't feed, clothe and shelter themselves would also be um, uh, would, would be able to be um, have have it have, a, you know, out, assisted outpatient treatment enforced. Um, so that's, that was the story. Well, that's interesting because you said that the law, it doesn't keep a person from being on the street, but it does require them to go in and to take their medication. Right. And I have a, a cousin actually who suffers from mental mm -hmm. illness. She's schizophrenia yeah. and she suffered with it all of her life. I remember and you told I, me. Right. We, we, we talked about it and, you know, I'll bring up different instances that are taking place, you know, in society. Say, what do you think about it? And whatnot? And she would immediately say they need to take their medicine. They don't like it. And she yeah. said one of the reasons why she said that because of the way it makes them feel. Sometimes mm -hmm. it makes them feel, you know, drowsy, drugging. She said until they get the right dosage. Because every time when you give a person medicine, you don't know exactly the, the correct dosage. So you're giving it to them for it to get into their mind, into their system, and that it helps them to be a normal person. So mm -hmm. she looks at it and she said, you know, when I don't take my medicine, she said, I become paranoid mm -hmm. and I have these spells. And I will have to admit, I have seen her and she's called me on many occasions. Yeah. And she's not lucid and she's saying things and I will immediately say, have you taken your medicine? Mm -hmm. She's like, no, no, I don't want to take it. You know, eventually she will take it. But she hasn't mm -hmm. got to the point where she is violent, that she, when she was younger, she was, mm -hmm. she would threaten people. She never like just acted out and didn't want any harm, thank God. Mm -hmm. And she never harmed herself. Mm -hmm. But I, I look at the people on the streets yeah. and like, if they would just take the med, like we can't force them, but I remember in the eighties, 
we had the sanitariums when people, if, if you were mentally ill, they would put you away. But somewhere along the 80s, that law changed whereby you could not institutionalize the mentally ill and they were just let out of the standard was made much higher for involuntary Mm -hmm. commitment. And I, the little bit I know about it is that it had to do with, you know, people's feeling that the standard was too low in earlier times of our history, where if somebody was deemed a problem, you know, by their family, they, they may not be legitimately violent, but they were just difficult to manage. You know, listen, we, the world is uh, full of imperfections and there were people who had other people put away, you know, for life who probably shouldn't have been, you know, and they were lobotomized. You know, there were ex- there were excesses in terms of, you know, the way the mentally ill were treated. Listen, in our history of this country, I remember there was a famous reformer, Dorothea Dix. I think this is 19th century. But, you know, she exposed the horrors of mental institutions where people were treated worse than animals, chained to walls, you know, places that stank and were filthy. You know, I mean, mental illness is terrifying to most people. And, and, you know, institutions, let's face it, they historically have not been nice places. And so I think there was a big push uh, because of that, but also probably money, you know, there's always the desire to save money, et cetera to deinstitutionalize in the uh, 70s and 80s. But I think the pendulum has swung so far now to the other extreme that you have a very high standard for involuntary commitment. You really need to establish that someone is imminently about to kill themselves or somebody else. And even then, it seems like people can only be held for a limited period of time. There just aren't as many psychiatric facilities and beds. And I said last time on the show, and you know, I, I, I feel this strongly, Rob. I mean, <laughs> if it were up to me, I, you know, I would take some of the, the hundreds of billions that we're sending overseas. You know, I, this is a very expensive proposition, but I would build decent mental institutions as decent as the places can be. I'd equip them with libraries and gardens and staff them with decently paid professionals and, you know, try to help these people and at least, you know, take them off the street, make it as humane as it could be. But I think that would be a tremendous investment um, that would be well worth it. Um, I, I agree. I agree. I expensive. agree. Think of all the innocent people who wouldn't be right. murdered by people who were out of their minds. And maybe some of these people, listen, I know mental illness is a very tough uh, problem, but maybe some of them, you know, if there were earlier intervention and really, you know, more intensive therapy in a place that wasn't a nightmare, maybe some of them could really be helped, you know, as is, we just don't bother, you know, and this society has failed them. I think we spend a lot of money, you know, including on, you know, young, able-bodied people, you know, we're paying off everybody's college debt and this and that, you know, I mean, these people really young, healthy, mentally healthy people aren't really need to be charity cases. I mean, they can, I get it that nobody wants to be in debt, but they're, you know, capable and sane, you know, these aren't the people who I think need to be bailed out. Whereas I think someone who's severely mentally ill, who comes from a disadvantaged background, these are people who need a lot. And if government is going to be, you know, providing a safety net, we ought to be starting with them, I think. We need to take the money that we're using, uh, and some would agree with that, that we're sending to Ukraine, 
we'll talk, we'll cover this in the next segment and try and help our own people. Even look at Mayor Eric Adams. Mm -hmm. The city is bursting at the seams with crime. Yeah. We saw the other day uh, these women dressed in these green jumpsuits coming onto the train and attacking people. Look at the EMT worker. Look at the guy who was visiting his kid during Paris Week in Poughkeepsie and was killed. By someone who seems to have been mentally ill. Right. But but the fact that he was killed and no one is saying anything about it. No one is saying this is how this could have been prevented. And who's going to provide for his family? He's leaving behind a family. Will he be able to sue the city for millions of dollars? Who's going to provide? All these innocent lives have been taken from us. People who should be here with us. People who should be here to celebrate the holidays that are coming up. Mm-hmm. But they're not. Why? Because of the failed policies of the left. Enough is enough. I have had it. When I saw that picture or the video of those women in green attacking people on the subway, I'm like, had that been me, it would have been on because I would have started slugging. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm serious. When I go on the subway and I mean, I'm tense and I'm like, if Anyone mm-hmm. Fs with me, that's it. Yeah. Now, God forbid, I hope they don't have a gun. But I'm like, my senses are heightened yeah. because you just don't know what will happen. Now, we're going to pick this back up on the other side of the break. And I want to go more into your article because I want people to understand. I can't believe, Heather, that it's been that long ago. Mm, my gosh, I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to pick that up on the other side of the break. Thank you for tuning in. And if you are listening, I would encourage you to go grab a friend, get a friend, tell a friend about this and get them to listen because this is really important. Again, other side of the break. Thank you. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulvinone iodine-based nasal spray Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. We are America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. And we're back after dark, Robin Andrew, and my special co-host, 
Heather Robinson of the New York Post. She's on to talk about her story that she recently wrote, uh, which talks about, deals with crime, uh, a situation that took place about 20 something years ago. I can't believe it's been that long. But again, folks, we've got to do something about the criminal element in our society. Enough is enough. Too many people are being killed and they shouldn't be. Too many lives have been taken away from families. There's too much bloodshed in the nation. I don't care how you feel about Republicans. You can say whatever you want to say. But we have to admit they are the party of law and order. And that's not to say that some Democrats don't want law and order. But the ones that are in power, they seem to not want law and order. They're looking the other way. We saw the representative Cory Bush was talking about, again, defund the police. During the spring and summer of 2020, 2021, that's all we heard. AOC, Rashidi Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters, they all wanted to defund the police. The police were bad. And why? Because of what happened with George Floyd. What happened to George Floyd was most unfortunate. But when you start looking at the other stories, and I've covered this before, you look at Eric Garner. Eric Garner was in the wrong. Okay. Some say, well, the police, they use excessive force, where they're allowed to use a degree of force. All Eric Garner had to do was to be arrested. And that's it. Live to see another day. The same thing with George Floyd. It's unfortunate, again, what Derek Chauvin did was wrong. Okay, don't get it twisted. But to allow these, these men's death to dictate our law enforcement is just wrong. And some will say, well, you have bad apples in every profession. You're right. But to me, that's a cop-out. It's a cop-out to say that. Because we know right now, look at what's happening. Because the police are standing down. People feel emboldened to do whatever the hell they want to do. I want to go back to that man who lost his life in Poughkeepsie this past weekend. He was a father, Paul Cutts, 53 years old, a CPA from Long Island, was visiting his son at Marcus College in Poughkeepsie, New York, at a Marriott Hotel. He was down in the hotel with his family. I guess they were mingling. Mm -hmm. And I think two men came in and just opened fire. Now, I don't know if they were mentally ill or what happened, but they were two black men. The media won't cover it. The media will not talk about it. Now, had it been the other way around, had it been a white man shooting a black man, they would talk about it. Whoa, the racist angle. Why? Allison Russo Elling, 61, the EMT worker, New York City, Queens, New York, stabbed in the neck, killed. No one said anything about it. It's just, okay, she died. Let's move on. What about going to DA Bragg and saying, what are you going to do to the person that killed her? Why does he still have a job? Why hasn't Kathy Holcho fired him? You have the NYC police commissioner, Kinshut Sewell, who in my opinion seems to be you know, ready for this job, but her hands are tied because of the DA. You cannot function in a city when crime is on the rampant, when the people are afraid. You want people to go back to work after being shut down from this whole COVID scare, now you're saying, go to work. Mayor Eric Adams is telling people, oh, if you can party all night, you can't say that you can't go to work. Okay, Eric, stop. But one, why is he even the mayor? Okay, I'm sorry, but why is he the mayor? How did he get that position? Why did they vote for him? Why did people think that he was going to save New York? Well, after we had mm -hmm. Mayor de Blasio, who failed 
now de Blasio was the worst mayor, but I think Eric Adams is right behind him and he might surpass him. Go ahead, Heather. Oh, I was just thinking that he, he sort of built himself as a moderate, didn't he, Adams? And he is a former police officer, so I think people had some hope that he might be, um, you know, a little less uh, absurdly lenient and lax. And I mean, I'm not making excuses for him, but I, I, my understanding is I read somewhere that he did express some desire to fire Alvin Bragg, who's the DA, but he can't do that. I, I read somewhere. It has to be the, the governor. The governor, he can make a recommendation, but the governor yes. can fire him, just like the governor can mm-hmm. look at the mayor and say, okay, we're going to put you on hold and put someone else in. Is that I mean, right? the New York, New York governor has a lot of power. Well, I read Ocho, somewhere, and I, you know, I wish I could remember where, but that there uh-huh. was some communication between Adams and Lee Zeldin, who's running for governor. Now, I realize it's you know, he's something of a, you know, a long shot. But um, if it can be believed, what I read was that I think it might have been on Zeldin's um, website or somewhere he signaled that he felt he could work with Adams and that he he had the sense that, you know, that that, you know, he would be able to carry out he be you know he Zeldin keeps saying he'll get rid of Bragg immediately and he'll do a lot of these things and that you know he thinks that that he can work with Mayor Adams that they got along I, that they right. know each other and well, I, think I that, sort of heard yeah that maybe Adams wants to do some of this and you know he some well, here's the thing where he may be limited in what he can change because I, I hope legal stuff the right, letting I, go of these criminals and right it's crazy I hope that Lee Zeldin is successful investing Kathy Hochul. I can't I can't believe that people in New York City would continue to vote for her when we see how corrupt she is. She's awarding uh, contracts to individuals that have given to her campaign. Look at the uh, COVID uh, uh, test she uh-huh. gave to a campaign donor and it's extremely expensive and no mm-hmm. one is saying anything about it. The contracts she's given to her husband right. I mean, you know, we complained about uh, Andrew Cuomo, yeah. but she's no better. And how is a lot of corruption in New York? A, a lot, a lot of, of and, I mean, and it's, it's interesting because you're rule. right. Single That's party rule. And somehow we need to change that. People need to wake up and realize yeah. that when you have one party system ruling a city as large as New York, nothing good happens. It's true. When, they got to get I out mean, there and get out wait, the vote for Zeldin. We've yep. got to get out the vote. I mean, I hope he wins. Uh, I, I just can't believe that people would, would vote for her. I mean, if I vote for her, it's pretty much, and I'm going to say this, you're signing your own death warrant. Plain and simple. She won't get rid of Alvin Bragg because of the Black vote. A lot of Blacks in New York City. And she feels that, hey, if I get rid of him, they're going to turn against me. And they will. The Black Lives Matter will probably come out and say, oh, don't vote her. Don't vote for her. But then who will you vote for? You're going to vote for someone, Lee Zeldin, who hopefully will save your life. Now, I know that Lee's doing a lot of talking. I'm going to do this and do that. From day one, if he gets it, if he does not fire Alvin Bragg on the spot. Oh, he would. He would, Rob. I just don't. I think it's going to be tough for him to get elected. Well, he only needs to get 35%. Of the vote in New York exactly. City, they say thirty-five percent. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. If he can, I mean, I I do believe the polls are close. I I think that people are fed up and they're tired, mm-hmm. but they're afraid because you remember when uh, Giuliani 
everyone thought that he wouldn't get it. But yeah, he but managed. It really was, mean, yeah, but things had gotten to such a level of. Do you not think things have gotten that to that level now? I don't know that it's quite as extreme. Um, I think the perception anyway is that, it, I mean, that was the other thing that I've read about that is that like, like literally every man, woman of age on Staten Island got out the vote and there were all kinds of corrupt democratic efforts to try to delegitimize. They were at that time that, you know, one of their tricks was they were trying to make it so Staten Island could not be a vote for, you right. know, they were trying to, you know, they were trying to pull some shenanigans and, and they didn't prevail. Staten Island is one of the five boroughs and they, Staten Island, it was like Giuliani got like a hundred percent of the vote. And I remember reading in Fred Siegel's book, Prince of the City, which was about uh, Giuliani. He had a great paragraph where he said, you know, the, um, you know, the taxi drivers, the police, the firefighters, the maids, the toll booth operators, the subway workers, everybody who commuted in from Staten Island to clean up the mess mm-hmm. of the rich and the poor of New York, like the, the right. middle class people, the solid kind of working, sensible, common sense people. Well, we need those people out there. They, every single one of them got out the vote. And I have become convinced, Rob, that is what needs to happen. You know, so many conservatives, you know, I love them, but they don't all get out the vote. And we've seen the left very animated in recent couple of years. And they, you know, they're all worked up. I think they're brainwashed, but, you know, you know (laughs) that they get all worked up. You know, they're told that everything is sexism and racism. And meanwhile, their lot does not improve under the Democrats, but the Democrats feed them this culture of grievance and this sense of anger. And the women are petrified right. about abortion rights, even though it's not really going to affect anybody who, you know, feels she needs to do that and does it early on, you know, but th- right. they're being told all this. So, you know, they run out and they vote and that's their right. But it's like the conservatives a lot of them are just conservative people and they, you know, they, they, they stay home. And, um, you know, I think the only way we're going to take back some sanity is to just get the vote out. You're right. So as you were talking, I was just looking at, I just did a Google uh, recent NYC subway attacks. And it's just unbelievable. The list, the numbers of people that have been attacked the New York city subway. Now this is a subway. Now, if I were to do another Google search of people who've been attacked in the city, that would be another long list. And it goes on and on and on. You could do it in California. You can do it in Chicago. Mm-hmm. When I say California, meaning L.A. or uh, what is it? Uh, San Francisco. And look at Pittsburgh. Look at Philadelphia. Krasner. How can people see what's happening? And I said this during the first block and not be shaken and say, we've got to try something different. We know about diversity. We know about equity. But I am putting my life, my family's life on the line. I am signing my own death warrant. Now, if Zeldin is able to best Kathy, and I hope to God he is. And at that point, if Adams decides, okay, now I'm going to make a change, I still won't trust him. Because he should not be looking at the politics of it and say, I need to, people are dying. I'm busy going out to these hoity-toity parties with my five-piece suits on while people are dying. 
Who's going to talk to this family, Allison Russo Allen? Who's going to go to her family and comfort her family? I heard that during the memorial service, her mom, her family really gave it to him and told him, mm-hmm. look, you know what it's like. You were a cop. What mm-hmm. are you doing? Now, they were yeah. direct. They said, but they were, mm-hmm. you know, they were, they were kind of joking. But I, I, Heather, I got to be honest with you. I don't know. Knock on wood. God, please never let it happen. I don't know if I would be in the frame of mind to have a conversation with him or even want him to appear at a memorial service of a loved one or a friend. God forbid if something should happen. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that he has it within his power. And so many of these other elected officials, look at Lori Lightfoot, look at the death rate on mm-hmm. a weekly basis. The and children. still, the and children. why isn't Barack Obama calling her out? Why isn't he saying, no, imagine if she were a white mayor, conservative, think about what they would say to her. They would be all over her. And, you know, and I hear this coming from the left also. They'll say, well, if you look at these cities, at these states, not cities, but the states, they'll see that a lot of the states that have these burst in crime, they're red states. Granted, they're red states, but the cities and the towns that are experiencing the crime are run by Democratic mayors. Mm-hmm. And those governors can't do anything about it. If they could, I'm sure that they would remove them. You look at Memphis. Memphis has a Democrat mayor, but Tennessee is a conservative state. Mm. But they can't do anything. Look at the school teacher who was killed. The media has stopped talking about it. But had it been the other way around, and I hate saying this, but we have, I want people to understand this. I'm a Black man, and I don't take pride in saying that there is a bad element in the Black community that needs to be addressed. Yes, we know about mental illness. But aside from that, Black men that are committing these crimes and young Black children that aren't being supervised by the parents because the parents themselves are kids. Why is that? That is because of the failed policies of the Democrats. We have to speak truth to power. And it pains me to say it, but I want to keep saying it until people get this, until it's resonating in their head. The other night we had B.B. Diamond on, and she was talking about the same thing. We had Pastor Green on. He was talking about the same thing. We have had other Black guests to come on here, and they have spoken about the exact same thing. There is a problem. It has to be addressed. And unfortunately, our Black elected officials will not speak about the problem. Now, I must say, earlier on, Heather, when Barack Obama first came on the scene, he came out and he denounced the violence coming from Black men. And he even went as far as to say, pick your pants up. Stop letting your butt crack show. But after that, he? he saw that he was losing favor within the Black community and he kept quiet. He was silent. We need someone who has the gravitas, who's going to stand up and speak out. I look at Leo Terrell, mm-hmm. who was a staunch Democrat. I mean, he was Democrat through and through. He bled Democrat. Now he has turned 365 degrees and he said, "Uh uh-uh, the policies coming from the left is dangerous. Now just imagine, just imagine, had the laws been working, had the laws been working when Webdell, his sister, was killed. Kendra, just imagine, had the laws been working, she would still be with us today. Well, you know, what, the other strange thing about that, Rob, is that she was killed at a time when crime was much lower. Mm. Um, it was the Giuliani years. And 
However, it was an example of how when someone's completely and utterly psychotic and violent, you know, this you know, crazy thing can happen. And but since that time, um, we've seen more of this. And again, I would s- submit that, um, you know, that it has to do with rampant um, deinstitutionalization, these, you know, liberal policies where people, organizations like the ACLU are objecting to anyone being, you know, uh, required to take medication. Um, so, you know, it, things have just gotten, you know, worse, especially precipitously so in the past couple of years, as you're discussing. So. And it's like, and, and the different cities that is happening, you look at the politicians who are at the helm, Mm-hmm. something has to happen because what's happening right now is not good enough is enough we'll pick this back up on the other side of the break you're listening to after dark with robin andrew and my special guest host heather robinson of the new york post here on america out loud we emphasize optimal health and air is the most essential element for life The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. Okay, we're at the last segment of the show, and I hope you guys are enjoying it. I know that I'm enjoying having Heather on as a co-host with me. As I've said in the first block, she has always been willing to come on and share her stories and give her commentary about the different news events. And you guys should know that I, Heather and I know each other socially as well. And she attended a uh, one of my, I'm a writer and I write poetry, and she attended one of my events. And from that, we started talking and we realized that we had uh, mutual uh, interest in politics and mm-hmm. on, on uh, our political views. So we just kept in contact from that moment on. Mm-hmm. And I'm just glad that we were able to find a platform. So find that we each could other share. in Manhattan, Rob. <laughs> in Manhattan, exactly. It's not easy, <laughs> it's not easy at all. Exactly. And we, and we spoke about that, right? We spoke about that, like, you know, we felt as if though we're like, we're in all these Democrats is that like, like, it's just us and a few other people. Yeah. But, you know, 
we should, and it shouldn't be that we feel threatened to walk outside and say, this is who we are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It should not be that way. I should be able to walk outside and mm-hmm. wear my Make America Great Again I cap without people saying, oh, it's racist. It's ra-. And, you know, sometimes I feel emboldened and I put it on and I dare mm-hmm. anyone to say anything to me about wow, it. Wow, but wow. It, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. Of course not. We met at the height of that. I did. Mm-hmm. It was just, I remember someone did a video at that time. Of, you know, a guy walked around with a Make America Great Again hat through Union Square. Did you see that video? And people I were falling spitting on him and um you know most of the people by the way who were doing that were like these sort of privileged looking white people you Uh know in the video and i remember at one point there's a black man who intervenes and tries to help the guy who was wearing the trump hat and he's like why you know why why'd that guy spit on you you know and the guy said well because i'm wearing this hat and the guy's like you know that's not right and well you know the same thing yeah. The same thing happened to, um, gosh, his name escapes me right now. He was running for governor, the black guy, he's a journalist, for mm-hmm. governor of California. Mm. And he came out and he said, I'm running for governor and the conservative Republican. And you had people coming out, spitting on him. Mm. Gosh, I see him right now. I can't think of his name, trying to attack him. And the media said nothing about it. It was as if though they were saying this was this was okay. Now yeah. imagine had the tables been turned. Oh, I know. It's and, okay. and you know something else I've noticed, Heather? Look at all of the oh, Larry Elder. Larry. Larry Elders, yes, Larry Elders, thank you. Like Larry Elders. And people were attacking him. Yeah. And this one woman came up and said, You're a racist and you're this, and she spat on him. Oh. And the media, they didn't call her out. The, she didn't get arrested. No, had the tables been turned, they would have immediately said, this is Donald Trump's fault. Donald Trump is attacking the Black people. Well, what about Joe Biden? Democrats actually came out and said, you go up to them and you tell them you're not welcome. That was Nancy Pelosi and Maxine Waters, mainly Maxine Waters. You get up in their face and you tell them you're not welcome. Cory Booker said the exact same thing. Mm. Republicans have never said anything like that. And, And now they're all having a conniption over a comment that Trump made when he said that Mitch McConnell has a death wish. When I saw that, I thought, okay, I just saw the headline. I'm like, okay, what did he say in the article about Mitch McConnell? Did he say Mm -hmm. people should kill him? But that was it. He said, Mitch McConnell had a death wish. And the media, he wants Mitch McConnell dead. I'm like, what? How do you get Mitch McConnell wants a death wish because of his policies? How does that translate into he wants Mitch McConnell dead? When you look back at the media, Chuck Todd, Joy Reid, Anderson Cooper, Don Lemon, and so many others have said, use the same terminology. This person wants a, has a death wish. No one ever said that it was racist. No one ever said that he was tr- they were calling for violence. Now, let's address the issue with uh, Mitch McConnell's wife. Trump called her Coco Chow. Oh my God, <laughs> it's racism. I'm like, okay. I didn't hear that. Right. I'm like, okay, where is the racism? Elaine Chow. Coco Chow. Right, right Elaine Chow. Now, when I read it, I thought he was referring to the suits, the Coco Chanel suits that she wears. <laughs> but the media said it's racism. So you have all these people. I even had associates sending me these little clips saying, he's a racist. Look at what he said. I didn't right. respond to them. I didn't say, okay, 
Where is the racism? Because right. I knew that they weren't going to listen. Sort of absurdist. Well, right. Is he just confused or is he just trying to be funny? Like like Coco Chanel or something. Well, and that's what I was thinking, Coco Chanel, because she wears Coco Chanel suits. But they immediately right. don't totally know. Well, and here's the kicker. Here's a, here's a kicker, Heather. The media that's trying to defend her, they mm-hmm. don't like her. They said that she was in cahoots with China. And if you remember, during the height of the George Floyd riots, uh-huh. people went to his house mm-hmm. and her house trying to attack them. And she had to stand up and said, leave my house. Uh-huh. Leave us alone. I think I do remember. Right, remember that? And the media was saying, oh, well, she gets what she deserves. Now they want to protect her. Now they want to say, oh, this is racism. Right. And, and here's, here's a kicker. The people that are saying, yeah, it's racism, they are completely oblivious as to the left attacking them mm-hmm. a year or so ago. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. violence is coming from the left, not the right. Not that the right doesn't do things, mm-hmm. okay? But a majority of the violence, when you look at our Supreme Court justices, you look at the threats that were made against their lives. Except for the favorite day, the Democrats' favorite day. Their, their favorite day. Which but, is but, the day right. the conservatives finally mm-hmm. acted bad. Right. One and, well, day, which was wrong, but the, man, they did everything they could to get them there. And they, they keep talking about it with all the violence that's taking place. Liz Cheney can't focus on any of the violence other than Jan Six. That's mm-hmm. all they want to talk. They want to have more hearings. I'm like, okay, why don't we have why don't we have hearings on Hunter Biden, the mm-hmm. Hunter Biden laptop? Why do we have hearings on people who went in and tried to attack the Supreme Court, tried to go after Brad Kavanaugh? Where are those hearings? What about those crim- the criminal activity there? If Liz Cheney, she claims that she's so against Donald Trump, okay, Liz, fine. What about the rule of law? What about your other colleagues that mm-hmm. have been attacked, have been well, threatened? You know- Rob, I think it's just like we've discussed, political violence is made excuses for when it's done by the left. And anybody who's not the most absolutely egregious center kind of organizer is totally excused. And, you know, it's like there's just a separate set of standards for left and right. And I think that had a lot to do with paving the way for January 6th. You know, I saw Tucker Carlson's documentary on this, and I will, yeah, much as I'm a fan of his and I so respect his independent mind, I think that he goes, in my humble opinion, too far. He he sort of postulates that this was all intended to um, drive conservatives to violence. I don't think that. I mean, I, I don't think that it was, I think that's a little conspiratorialist and, you know, that they that the, the authorities and the establishment allowed six months of protests descending into riots and you know violent attacks on people's businesses and innocent people and national monuments just specifically in order to drive the right crazy so they could then crack down on dissent i don't think it was intended that way but i do think that many you know some people who are just the law abiding, you know, the conservatives of this country, you know, and I mean, people of all races and religions, sexes, the people who get up and go to work and do their jobs and go to church and raise families, or maybe they're single, but they're, you know, responsible, law abiding, respectful, quieter types. Usually these people take it on the chin. These people tend to fight the wars including the wars that are elective in recent decades. They pay their taxes. 
They follow the law. And, you know, a lot was asked of these people, you know, for six months, they, we, you know, the the conservatives and moderates of this country, and even some liberals, you know, who are law abiding, were told we had to make space for, you know, no matter how unruly, huge, you know, congregations of people during a pandemic, uh, you know, even if it descended into violence, we were told this was not only acceptable, but it was admirable. It was the proud American tradition. However, you law-abiding conservative people, you know, whether you're black or white, you, you churchgoers, you can't go to church, your kids can't go to school, you can't have a party, you can't go to a sporting event. And I think people saw this and on some level they were angered because this is not equal justice under the law. This is not due process, which is supposed to be, you know, justice is supposed to be blind. It's not supposed to be about who you are, you know, how you look, what your political philosophy is. You're supposed to follow the law. And I think people started even our, on our conservative side, a few people started losing respect, not so much for the law as for the people who we're told uphold the law. And I think that's part of what happened. I think that's part of why January 6th, I'm not excusing it. I think it was awful. And, you know, but I think that, you know, certain people on our side, I mean, things took a bad turn and there was anger. And some of that anger was justified because I don't think it should have been expressed in violence. Um, But I think they were, you know, you know, they had been locked down, they had been told the laws apply to them, but not to other people. And then, you know, they suspected that there was something fishy about that election. And I think there probably was, I don't, I don't know that that means Trump won. But I mean, I think there were improprieties, and they were told they couldn't ask questions about that. And they had to just do what American conservatives do, which is take it on the chin, be quiet, follow the law, go to work, put on your uniform, go to war, don't ask questions, be a good man or woman, and you know, let other people, you know, if they need to break the law and express themselves and protest and, you know, leave the country and, you know, that's okay for them, but not for you. And I think conservatives had had enough, you know, so I don't agree with Carlson that it was all, you know, a, an elaborate plan by the left. But I think that the, you know, the effect of this, this unequal enforcement of the law was a lot of anger, you know, and I think that these, you know, these people, the elites in our country on the Democratic side don't even begin to understand, you know, I mean, what they've dished out has been so unfair. They have no self-awareness. They will not look at themselves. They don't, they would have no idea what I was talking about if they were listening to this, but right. that's and why I, the divide continues. Right. And I don't think they, they even care. I mean, I haven't seen the Kirk, Tucker Carlson special. I want to see it. Uh, I, I, I too, I like him. I, I do believe, and this is my opinion. I've, I've said this before, uh, the Jan six, my opinion was a silly college boy prank because when you look at it, there were so many anomalies that were there, things that took place that shouldn't have, well, that yes, think yes, have happened. Well, there was elements of that, but it got right. it did get bad. I mean, there were there was things that went beyond that. Look, look, we're human. We're all human. Human beings, unfortunately, there's a darker side to all of us. Right. But when you're told, talk. but Heather, this is the way I this is the way I see it. Okay, we say this shouldn't have happened. But when we're telling other countries, and I'm not saying we we're telling this to the to the protesters that you need to, if you don't like your government, you need to take control of it. Look at what we're telling the Iranians, overthrow the mullahs, do this, kick them out. We said the same thing to the Libyans. I'm not, and I'm not saying that this is what the 
protesters were going to do on Jan 6. There was no way they were going to be able to take control of the government. But as you said, when you have been, when you corner a person up against the wall and you see everything that's happening and you're like, this does not make any sense. We don't have a fair shake. If you, when you guys look at, the other day I saw the special on Tucker Carlson, the Tony Bobulinski, and I was listening to everything he was saying. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. The Department of Justice and the FBI in cahoots to suppress information about Hunter Biden. Mm -hmm. And not just that, you look out and you look at everything else that the Department of Justice and the FBI is doing. And I don't want to like, you know, completely get off topic here because we're talking about enough is enough, but it's enough with this also. Mm-hmm. You have Merrick Garland and you have Christopher Ray. Merrick Garland is supposed to be over the Department of Justice, making certain that things are functioning properly. And the, his only focus is on getting Trump because Trump kept him from being the Supreme Court justice and stopping parents from having a say in their children's education. The only thing Christopher Ray is doing is going after Trump associates or people that identify with MAGA to try to silence them. Now, people can say, oh, well, he's not doing that. Okay, if that's the case, why haven't we heard anything about the Hunter Biden laptop? Why haven't there been any leaks? There are always leaks about Trump. Trump is just Trump, Trump, Trump. Trump is no longer president. If you want to indict him, indict the man. But he's not president. Look at the criminal activity that's taking place. Look at the people that are coming across the border whom we don't know who they are. We learned just the other day that one of the persons that came here across the border molested a young girl. And there are so many other violent criminals that are coming through. And as Trump said, they're not sending us their best. Look at what happened in Cuba during the, I think it was the 70s, when they let out all their heart and criminals that went to Miami and just took over and destroyed Miami. Yeah, look at what Venezuela. Right. Look at what Venezuela is planning on doing to release Mm -hmm. all their prisoners. And where would they come to America? Why? Because we have open borders. Joe Biden, if nothing else, if you don't want to get him on the Hunter Biden and the colluding and what they were doing with what they were doing with China, if you don't want to get him on that, then we should get him on failing to protect our borders. That's in the Constitution. He took an oath to protect us against foreign invaders. The people that are coming across the borders are foreign invaders. I don't care how many times you want to say, oh, they're undocumented workers, or they're this or they're that. They're foreign invaders because they're coming illegally, and they have not been given the okay to come. That is the reason why we have all this criminal activity. Some of them are nice people, but even though Trump qualified it with that, which is true, he was still castigated as a racist, you know, for, you know, basically, you know, everything you said, and you're right that we can't just allow people who we don't vet and we've created all kinds of new problems from that. And by the way, you know, I researched this um, last year when I wrote about the border and interviewed some retired um, customs and border protection agents. And one of them told me that, our policy has effectively created a phenomenon that didn't exist before. I mean, there were always illegal, not always, but for decades, there have been illegal, you know, men, men who come from Mexico um, south of the border to work. Um, they were, you know, it's not a very nice word, but on the West Coast, they used to say the wetbacks when I was in college. Um, and they, you know, they were coming for the most part just to earn money and send it back to their families. They were seasonal workers from poor, you know, communities in Mexico and our agribusiness has depended on them, you know, has, right. has you know, but 
but now we have a phenomenon where that some some of these men, you know, or maybe other men, whatever, they're dragging women and children across the border. And this Customs and Border Patrol, Patrol agent said to me, you know, this was I've been in, I was in the business. I worked for 40 some years as a CBP agent and we didn't used to see this, you know, 30 years ago. It right. was men coming. Our policy, because of all the outcry over the rights of children, you know, now people realize they can be let in more easily if they bring a child. So now we've created something where there's more trafficking of children, people are using children, people are sending children. In other words, it's our policies that have distorted this situation, made it worse than it was for children. Um, because, you know, it's, 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 it has incentivized people who are opportunistic, who now use children, you know, and his point was that the better people, the men who just wanted to come and work, there still are some of them. But now you have a lot of people who are, you know, it didn't used to be the case that men, a man, normal man in Mexican, you know, Latin culture, he said, you don't drag your wife and children to work with you. That's not, that wasn't what they did. Now they, now some do it. And you have people, cartels and trafficking rings using children because of our stupid policies that the liberals have, you know, pushed for because they think they're helping children, but actually they've created a nightmare for kids. Well, Heather, I got to say, it has been a delightful hour. I can't believe that it's already up. And I will conclude by saying, as I stirred it off in the beginning, enough is enough. It is time to put the kibosh on this. People have got to go to the polls with an open mind and cast that ballot for a conservative because mm-hmm. casting it for a Democrat is just not going to help it. It is not going to help things. We have got to take back our country. We've got to bring back the laws and we have got to enforce them. Thank you all for tuning in to After Dark with Robin Andrew. I want to thank my special host, Heather Robinson, have enjoyed you, and we will have you on again, Heather. Thank you all. Be safe. And again, as Andrew would always say, stand for something or fall for nothing. Good night.